0: Today we are closing out the series that we've been in the last several weeks called Known. And we're talking about a very important topic. It's so important that Jesus devoted about 25% of his words in the Gospels to this topic. It's so important that there are 28 passages in the first four books of the New Testament that teach on this topic. Um, It's so important that between the Old and New Testament combined, 800 verses instruct us on it. And uh, if you're wondering what the topic is... Let me show you. It's money. That's what we're talking about today and specifically about how we're called to be generous with our money. Now, I want to say a couple things because I know that people can get a little weird uh, when we talk about money in church. So first, let me say to you, if you're a guest, if you're new uh, to this whole church Jesus thing, um, we're not trying to get your money today. All right. The goal of today is not to convince you to give us your money. Uh, So I want you to know the pressure is off. You can sit back, relax, and I really hope that more than anything today's helpful for you and that you gain new insight about money and how to handle it. Now for the rest of us who would call this our church, who say we know Jesus, if you're kind of sitting in your seat right now going, oh great, the money talk, right? I should have skipped church today. Maybe you're wondering if you can still sneak out before anyone sees you and you're wondering, do we really have to talk about money? The simple answer is yes, we have to. Um, Everything we do here at Cross Point City Church, whether you realize it or not, costs money. Uh, The staff we hire that leads ministry costs money. The, The building we're in this morning that houses ministry. It costs money. The resources that we use in order to facilitate ministry costs money. We have a, a lot of operating costs that we have to pay into so that we can do what we do each day, and that costs money. Um, all the ministry that we do in the community, outreach events, all the ministry we do around the world, planning churches, drilling wells, all of that costs money. So we have to talk about money, but I'm a firm believer that how we talk about money matters. And today we're gonna spend our time Talking about money from a very biblical standpoint. And my prayer for all of us today is that we might leave with a different perspective on money, stewardship, generosity. And my prayer is that for a simple reason because, as our sixth and final core value states, we here at Cross Point City Church want to be known as a generous church. And I'll read this core value to you so that you can hear what it says We value generosity. Give to change the world we believe that our God is a generous God that he's a giver not a taker and that the ultimate proof of this is found in Jesus since we are called to be imitators of God we must be generous people givers not takers we will be a church committed to sacrifice and generosity believing that the more we give the more lives will be changed in our community and world so with that being said this morning We want to take part in a simple act of generous giving. We we want to worship through a time of offering. And so I'm going to invite our host team to go ahead and come forward and to get in place. And I'm going to pray over this time. So uh, I'm going to ask you to join me. Father God, we just thank you for this morning and for the opportunity, God. To give to your work in this world. We just thank you, Father, for blessing us so that we can be a blessing to others. And I just pray as we give today, God, that you would help us to give joyfully, cheerfully, with open hands. And our prayer is that you would take everything that we give today and use it for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. God, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as our host team is collecting our offering, um, there are a couple things that I want to share with you. First, uh, you may have noticed, if you're a regular attender, a part of Cross Point City Church, that when you came in today, uh, the parking lot looked different. It's been resurfaced. It's been restriped. And uh, here's the beautiful thing about that. Um, that is a result of the generosity of two men in our church, Greg Kirby and Mike Jenkins. And if you know those guys, you need to thank them, pat them on the back. Um, they donated this past week their own time, their own efforts, their own resources, because they both work in in that field, doing that on a daily basis. Um, They donated all of their uh, stuff to come in here and to do that for us. That was a gift to our church. I mean, a true act of generosity. And so I just wanted this morning to stop and honor these guys if we can, because that's a big, big deal. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Greg. Well, second thing before we get going, since we're uh, talking generosity today, I thought it'd be a good morning to uh, to highlight a brand new way of giving here at Cross Point City Church. Um, you can always give like we just did on Sunday mornings um, when we passed the buckets. Uh, you can always go into our website, crosspointcity.com, and give online. And now we have an option for you to give on your mobile device or your tablet. Um, the mob- or the, the giving platform that we use online it's called Secure Give. And Secure Give actually has a really cool app that you can download onto your device, onto your tablet. You can kind of see the interface there on the screens. And if you go to your your search uh, feature in your app store. You'll be able to find it. It's free. And then you can look up Cross Point City Church and set that as your home church. And you can give anywhere, anytime. And it's really, really easy to use. So go download that app today. You can even do it right now if you choose. And you can start using that way to give um, if that's helpful for you. All right. So let's do this. Let's all grab our Bibles. Or if you have your U version apps ready to go, um, let's go to Matthew 6 together. Matthew chapter 6. And if you're sitting here going, James, what is U-Version? What did you just say? Uh, Uversion is a free Bible app that we use week in and week out here at Cross Point City Church for our messages. We post all of our message notes there. You can take your own notes on your phone or your tablet. Um, it's why we don't do handouts. We thought we'd use technology instead. So if you don't have U-Version, go look that up, Y-O-U-Version, download it for free. And you can follow along with the message I'm about to preach this morning um, through your mobile device, okay? As you're getting to Matthew 6, I want to ask you a question. And here's the question. What do you love more, God or money? What do you love more? Now, I think some of us, if we pass the mic around the room and we let you answer, some of us in the room could honestly say this morning, I love God more than money. You'd be telling the truth, right? I think others of us, um, we might be humble enough to go, you know what, James, at this point in my life, um, I I love money more than God. I just do, and you'd be honest enough to say that, and and we'd appreciate that answer. I think that maybe some of us in the room, we might lie and say we love God more than money, but we really love money more than God, and then others of us in the room, we might say this. We might go, well, James, that's a hard decision for me, bro. Like, I I love both. God and money are both awesome, and I don't know if I can choose between the two. Now here's why I asked the question this morning. Because every single one of us in the room, we have to have an answer to that question. You have to choose God or money and listen to me. It's impossible for you to love both of those things at the same time. And I'm not just making this up. All right, Jesus himself tells us this in matthew chapter six and i want to show you um, his words. so i want you to look at verse 24 with me and check out this simple statement here's what jesus says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money so jesus is telling us you can't love god and money both at the same time it's impossible You can't serve both. You can't be devoted to both. According to Jesus, all of us in the room are going to be mastered by one of these things, but we can't be mastered by God and money at the same time. And the first determining factor in which of these things you are going to be mastered by is perspective. It's your outlook on God and life and and, money. and Jesus tells us this in the verses preceding the verse that we just read. So I want you to look back down with me, verses 22 and 23, and check out what Jesus has to say. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is Is the darkness. Now, those are some confusing verses, um, but they wouldn't have been for Jesus' listeners, okay? Jesus is using metaphorical language in this passage that his Jewish listeners would have been familiar with to make this point about perspective. And he starts talking about the eye. Think about this. What is the purpose of your eyes? What's the purpose? They allow you to see. They provide vision. They give you perspective on your surroundings. And when Jesus talks about the eye being the lamp of the body, what he's referring to is this. He's talking about our perspective, again, on God, on life, and money. And he's saying to us, if our eye is healthy, or in other words, if we have a right perspective on these issues, then our perspective is going to be made known through the way that we live our lives on a daily basis. The health of our perspective is going to show through our willingness to serve God as master and in our refusal to love money more than him. But Jesus says if your eye is unhealthy, or or in other words, if your perspective is off, if it's bad, that's also going to show. And it's going to show because you're going to be someone who ultimately loves money more than God. Now, knowing that this is true, the question we have to ask ourselves is this. What perspective should we hold when it comes to God, to life, and to money? Well, we're going to keep reading backwards through this passage because Jesus points to the perspective options that we have, and there's two of them, in verses 19 through 21. So check this out with me. Will be also now, Jesus points to two perspectives, and I want to give these le- these perspectives labels today for the sake of our conversation and here 's how I label these two perspectives you and I we can walk through life with the perspective of owner when it comes to life and money, or we can walk through life with the perspective of steward and I want to give you characteristics of both of these perspectives so that you can kind of figure out which one you 're operating from all right and, and we 're going to start with Ownership. People that walk through life as owners, they do what Jesus says not to do in the passage we just read. They spend the majority of their time, energy, effort, and money on storing up earthly treasures for themselves um, over the course of their life. They spend money on the majority of money on those things that, as Jesus says, bugs can eat and people can steal. And owners do this because they operate each day under the assumption that their lives and everything they have belongs to them and that the more they own, the happier they'll be. Now, there's a few different type of owners, all right, that that live out of this perspective. First, you have owners who love to hoard all of their money, right? They, they keep it, they store it all up, and they refuse to be generous with it because, listen, they can't reason in their minds why in the world someone would give the very thing away that leads to an ability to own more earthly things. Like to them, giving money away is like giving happiness away. They just can't understand why someone would do that. Now, there are also other owners who just waste all their money, right? Right? Um, their goal in life is to seek out pleasure and comfort and entertainment so they make money, to waste money on themselves and no one else because their goal, again, is earthly stuff. That's what they are all about. And, and in an owner's mind, they have every right to do that. And you know why? Because they're owners. They believe that they own their life and everything that they have. And, and then lastly, there are owners, listen to this, um, that don't really have much money but they want other people to think that they do. And so you know what these owners do? They go into massive amounts of debt in order to own things they don't need so that they can impress people that they don't like. That's what these owners do. And so here's the deal. At the end of the day, this ownership perspective, it misses one huge foundational truth about God, about life, and about money. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. All right, Here's the truth the ownership perspective misses. God owns everything, and we don't own anything. God owns everything, and we don't own anything. And I'm going to go Bible on you to prove this, okay? Read these verses with me. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all that fills it, the whole world and those who dwell therein. You know what this verse is saying? All of creation belongs to God. He owns everything, including your life and mine. Everything in creation is his. He's the owner of it. Haggai eight: the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. You know what God's saying here? Every bit of wealth in existence belongs to me. I'm the owner of it. We'll keep reading Psalm fifty ten through 11. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. God's saying in this passage, every natural resource that exists on the face of the planet belongs to me. I am the owner of those things. Deuteronomy eight seventeen through 18. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. You know what God's saying here? Your passions, your abilities, your talents, um, the way that you earn money. He goes, I gave that to you. That belongs to me. And you wouldn't have an ability to earn money if I, as the owner, wouldn't have given you that ability. Every bit of who you are belongs to me. I'm the owner. James 1, 16 through 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift... Is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, the owner with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God, again, he's just reminding us in the scriptures, every good thing we enjoy in life as people, he is the owner of. And the only reason we have it is because he has entrusted it to us. Like, listen, I, I could keep reading verses all day because there's a lot of these type of verses in the Bible, but I think you're smart people and I think you get the point. And the point is what? That God owns everything, and none of us in the room own anything. Now, I know the pushback in some of our minds. Like, some of us are probably sitting here going, bro, um, that's not true about me. I own my car. I own my house. I own my own business. I own property. James, I own a lot of stuff, and I've worked really, really hard to be the owner of those things. Here's what I would say. This is the point at which we need to just be really honest with ourselves, right? We're talking perspective, so let's just gain a right perspective for a moment. Let's hypothetically say that you die tomorrow, all right? And I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but let's just pretend that it does. Let's say you die tomorrow. You get that you're not taking anything with you, right? Like none of us are hooking the U-Haul up to our hearse at the end of our funeral and dragging all of our stuff with us into the next life. Listen to me, you know what that means, right? It means you don't own anything. God is the owner of all things and he is the giver of everything good we enjoy in life. Listen, including our money. Now, listen, people operating from the second perspective I shared with you earlier, stewards, they get this. If you're taking notes, here's some great stuff to write down. A steward, by definition, is simply a manager. It's a manager. In his book, The Treasure Principle, um, author Randy Alcorn, and, and I would encourage you to read Randy Alcorn's stuff on money, on generosity, on stewardship. It'll be helpful for you. But he gives us a short, simple job description of a steward in this book, The Treasure Principle. And here's what he says He says, A steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages. It's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets, then carry out his will. Unlike someone operating from an owner's perspective, a steward wakes up each and every day and lives under the belief that God truly is the owner of all things, including their life, including their money. And they believe that their job in life is simple. And it is to manage God's stuff for his benefit for his honor, and for the good of other people. You see, stewards are quick to recognize that everything that they have in life, everything that's good, including money, has been entrusted to them. Listen to me, this is important. Not given to them, entrusted to them by God, and that it is their job to figure out how God wants them to use his stuff. And because of that, stewards, they're not busy running around, blowing all their money on earthly stuff in an effort to make themselves happy. Um, stewards, they don't wake up asking the question each day, how can I waste my money on me for my comfort and my pleasure and my entertainment? Um, stewards, they're not always trying to figure out how they can go into more debt so that they can buy stuff they don't need. Instead, stewards, they do what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew six twenty. And what they do is this. They use the money that God has entrusted to them to impact eternity and to store up eternal treasures. And they do that by praying, by seeking wise counsel, by making smart decisions, by by reading this book so that they can understand exactly how God wants them to manage his stuff. And stewards, at the end of the day, they operate from a very simple understanding. And here's that understanding. They understand that when they give, they are not making a decision on how much of their money to give away, but instead they're making a decision on how much of God's money to keep for their own uses. And my prayer, because I want Cross Point to be known as a generous church, my prayer is that this church would be full of stewards, not owners. Like I pray that this church would be made up of people who get that God is the owner of all things and that our job is really, really easy. We're just here to manage God's stuff, including his money, in a way that honors him, helps people, and impacts eternity. Now, listen, the second determining factor when it comes to generous giving, right? We've talked about perspective. The second determining factor in whether or not God or money is going to master us it's motivation. It's motivation. When you read the Scriptures... It is clear in teaching us that you and I, if we're gonna really be generous givers, that we not only need to keep a right perspective on who owns what, but we also need to give with a right motivation. You see, it's completely possible for you and I to leave today with a right perspective, but to give with the wrong motivation. In other words, and for example, you can leave today going, "Yeah, yeah, I get God as owner and I'm manager. God's owner, I'm steward, and then give out of a sense of duty or obligation. Like you can leave and go, well, James told me I have to give. I might as well start giving. Dang, right? Like, ah, it's just something I gotta do. Signed up for the team where I gotta be generous. That's wrong motivation. Wrong motivation. You can walk out and go, okay, God's owner, I'm steward, I'm manager, and start giving because you feel guilty, right? You can be here and, and this morning be thinking to yourself, God, I feel really, really bad. I really haven't given anything to this church or to anybody else, and now I feel guilty because of that, and, and I'm going to give because of how bad I feel. Listen to me again. That's wrong motivation. I've told you before, I don't want you giving to this church because you feel guilty, If you're giving because you feel guilty, put your money back in your pockets, figure that out, and then start giving with the right motivation. All right? Motivation matters. So what is the right motivation for generous giving? Well, it's really, really simple, and here's the motivation. We give generously because God gives generously. That's why we give, because God is a generous giver. That's why we give. Um, I want to unpack this for us and, and teach through it But again, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. I want to make sure everybody's been listening. So, all right, here's some questions. Who owns everything? God. Who owns nothing? Us. All right, cool. We're all on the same page. So, here's the next question. Why do any of us have anything we have in life? Because God entrusted it to us. Every good gift we have is from Him. Every bit of time we have is from Him. Every ability and talent we have is from Him. All of our money, it's from Him and church. Why does God give us those things? Well, it's simple. Because God is a generous giver. God is not a taker. And if you're still trying to figure out if that's true about God, I'll just tell you this. The ultimate proof of God's generosity can be found in the most generous gift that God has ever given us. His own Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, John three sixteen. what does it say? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but they can have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, gives us such a great picture of God's generosity expressed toward us in Jesus. Listen to what Paul says. He says, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? He, he, say that out loud with me. He was what? Rich. Yet for your sake, he became what? Poor, so that by his poverty, we might become what? Rich. I mean, think about Jesus. Before he came to the earth a couple thousand years ago, he's in heaven. He's got a throne in heaven. He's got eternal beings worshiping him around the clock. He lives in a place where the streets are paved with gold. I would say that's pretty rich. you got throne, people worshiping you, gold everywhere, and you're walking on it. You are rich. And Jesus left all that. And he was born in a manger to a teenage mom, to an earthly dad who was a carpenter. Jesus was homeless for seasons of his life in church. Why? Why, why, why? Well, as Paul said, he did all that for us so that we could become rich. If you were here a couple weeks ago, a few weeks back, when I was speaking on grace and, and teaching through Ephesians 2, we talked about this, right? That in a spiritual sense, all of us, were very poor. There is a huge debt that we owe to God because of our sin, because we can't live up to God's standards for our lives. And because of the debt we owe to God for our sin, what we deserve from God is death and hell and punishment. But listen, because God is generous and because he's a giver and not a taker, he sent his very own son out of his love for us, Jesus, to come to the earth to live the life we couldn't live. And then listen to me, to give his life in our place for our sins and to raise from the dead three days later so that we could be given new life, eternal life, favor, blessing and the kingdom of God one day. How incredible is that church? Our God is a generous God. Now, now let me bring us into this, okay? Um, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1.27 that when God created us, all of us in the room, that he created us, man and woman, in his image. And he did that so that as we live our lives here on the earth, we can mirror him or reflect him to the world around us. The the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 verse 1 tells us that we should live our lives as imitators of God. Well, church, you know what we can't do if we are unwilling to practice generosity? We can't do those things. We can't reflect God. We can't mirror God. We can't image God. We can't imitate God without being generous givers. And the reason is simple, because Our God is a giver. He is generous. And our motivation for generosity is simple. We serve and we worship a very, very generous God. Now, two things happen when we give generously with the right perspective and the right motivation. Again, if you're taking notes, write this stuff down. The first thing that happens is this, is that our generosity cultivates joy. And when I say it cultivates joy, I mean in our personal Lives, We experience more joy than we ever thought we could experience before. I want us to reread this verse from Matthew 6. Um, it's verse 21, and we're going to talk about it, so pay close attention to it. Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to think about one or two things this morning that you spend a lot of your treasure on. All right, well, What do you spend money on? What is it? Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your kids. I I don't know, but just think about it, right? Here's what I bet's true of you. Let's say you're somebody in the room who spends a lot of money on making your house awesome. Like, I bet that you love your house and that you find joy in keeping your house clean and showing it off to people when they come over to visit, right? If you're somebody who spends a lot of money on your car, for example, I bet you take great joy in, in washing your car and vacuuming it out and you know cruising up and down Main Street to show it off and posting pics of it on Facebook, check out my ride ride and trying to make us all jealous. you, you find joy in those things and and why is that? Well Jesus captures it with this verse. Jesus tells us where our treasure is that's where our heart's going to be in other words, where we spend our money that's what we 're going to find joy in your heart follows your treasure you see i think at times we get this backwards and we think that we should give toward the things that we want to find joy so like you might be sitting here going well my heart's not all the way in this church yet so that's why i don't give or i hear you talking about maybe like world missions and kids suffering in poverty or or church planning and i don't give to those things because my my heart's not fully in them you know what jesus is telling you in this verse your heart's not gonna be in those things until you start giving toward them. Listen to me, you wanna love this church more than ever? You wanna find joy in Cross Point City Church? Start giving to it. Your heart's gonna follow your treasure. You wanna care more about kids suffering in poverty around the world? Man, go on compassion.com this afternoon, sponsor a kid, spend money on a child who needs it, and you're gonna care about it and love that, and you're gonna take joy in releasing children from poverty. You wanna care about church planning and, and world missions? Support a church planner. Support a missionary. And you'll start caring and loving those things more than ever before. Whatever you spend your money on, that's what you'll find joy in. And for where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Now, the second thing that results from generous giving is this, is our generosity cultivates curiosity. Our generosity cultivates curiosity. Curiosity in other people. Um, This is simple, and I think you're smart, so I'm going to let you answer. What is the first question that people usually ask when someone is generous? What do they want to know? Why, right? Why are you so generous? Why do you give like you give? You see, people get curious when people are generous because generosity isn't natural. It's supernatural. And supernatural things always catch people's attention, And when people start asking why in response to our generosity, that's when we get to tell them about our generous God. We get to start telling about our God who owns everything, and and we're just here, we're his managers, we're managing his stuff to, to honor him and to help other people. And ultimately, that allows us the opportunity to invite others into a relationship with our very generous God through the generous gift of his son, Jesus Christ. See, church, listen, this is exactly why I want Cross Point to be known as a generous church. This is why generosity made our list of six core values. It's because I believe, because of what I see in the scriptures, that the more generous we become, the more joy we'll experience in life, and the more opportunities we'll have to share Jesus with people who desperately need Him, both in our community and in our world. Uh, several weeks ago, I got an opportunity um, to go on a visit to a church out in Birmingham, Alabama with a, a friend from our church named Tony Morgan. He, he works with churches all over the country, and we went out there to visit this church of 24,000 people, crazy big church, and, and we got to hang out with the pastor all day. And uh, over lunch, he was talking about the way that they steward and manage money as leaders of this church. And man, it, it was just fascinating to me to sit back and listen to what he had to say, but, but he made a statement that's just resonated with me. I mean, stuck on my heart, in my head. And here's what he said. He said, a long time ago when we first started this church, we decided that we wanted to steward and to manage our money in such a way that we set ourselves up for the favor of God. And when he said that, man, it just, something hit me and I went, that's what I want to do as the pastor at Crosspoint. I want to make sure that every bit of money that people give week in and week out, that I as the pastor commit to make sure that other leaders in this church, including myself, steward and manage that money so that we set this church family up for the favor of God. And so I'm saying that because I know I can't ask you to give generously to the vision and the mission of this church unless I as your pastor am committed to to financial stewardship, biblical stewardship here at this church. And so I just want to share some things with you in closing so that you can know how we handle money here when you give. And I want you to know some of the things that we're working toward financially as we seek to set ourselves up for the favor of God. Every week when you give, we take the money immediately to a locked office. There's a police officer there, and we have a team of people, not one, not two, but a team of people who count that money. And we have a team for accountability purposes, and it gets counted and recounted and recounted and documented, and it gets deposited on Sundays. And we run all the reports and send them to the third-party company we work with in Rhythm, who keeps track of all of our bookkeeping. And they check our deposits against all of our reports. And again, we do that because we want to operate above reproach when it comes to the money you give. Right now, my staff team is working through a budgeting process, and we're doing this differently than we've ever done it before. Right now, my staff team is behind the scenes, pulling in some, some key leaders from their areas into conversations about what they want next year to look like from a ministry standpoint. They're dreaming. What do we want to accomplish? What do we want to do? What do we expect to see God do as we work really hard on these ministry efforts? And then how much money is it going to cost us to pull those things off? And so I want to tell you this, in January, I'm excited about this, in January, we are planning to put a ministry plan in your hand so that you as Cross Point City can see what 2014 looks like and what we're praying to see God do here, and then attached to that ministry plan is going to be a budget so that you can see how much money it's going to take for us to pull all that stuff off together. So we want clarity, we want transparency. Um, we right now are working behind the scenes as we're working on this ministry plan and budget with Dan Dorner, the guy who runs in Rhythm, the third-party company that we work with, and uh, Dan, he's been at First Baptist Woodstock for years and years, handling all their finances, and he's helping us to make sure that we are staying in healthy percentage, ra- healthy percentage. Percentage, if I can say that word, percentage ranges in four categories that make up our budget. Personnel, facilities, operations, and ministry resources. It's really important to me to know that when we allocate money to those four, um, to those four areas that we're do- doing so responsibly and, and in a healthy manner, Um, Starting this year and for every year uh, after this year, we'll have an independent CPA firm review all of our finances to ensure that we're operating above reproach when it comes to money. Um, After we get our elder team in place in the next few months, our plan is to get a stewardship team in place, a a group of key volunteers who know what they're doing when it comes to money to oversee our budget and to oversee our spending. And then ultimately, here's what I'm really excited about. I, I have this on my heart to move this church toward operating each year off of an 80-10-10 budget. And what I mean by that is this. um, My desire is to get this church to a place financially where we operate day in and day out, week in and week out, off of 80% of everything that's brought in. And I want to take 10% and just give it away, at least 10% and give it away. Give it away to blessing this community, blessing our schools, doing outreach events, giving it to church planners and missionaries, people out on the front lines, doing the hard work of ministry to reach people for Jesus. I want to take the other 10% and put it in a reserve fund, not just so we can store up, but so that, listen, we can set ourselves up for the favor of God. You see, my my heart is this. When God brings unique opportunities, supernatural opportunities, and puts them in front of us and invites us to be a part, I don't want to ever be the church that has to say no because we don't have enough money. My heart is, let's steward our money well, let's have plenty of money laying around so that when God puts supernatural opportunities in front of us, we can go, oh yeah, we're gonna be a part of that and we can be because we have been intentional about setting ourselves up To be a part of God's favor and his plan. So that's what we're working toward. So here's what I want to say to those of you in the room, again, who know Jesus, who are a part of this church. I just want to ask and invite you into generous giving. If you give here already, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because again, we can't do ministry without all of us giving together. And secondly, like I said, if you're not giving generously already, I want to invite you into that. I want to invite for your joy and for the fulfillment and completion of the mission and vision of this church. Now, if you're sitting here going, well, James, how much do I give? What does generous look like for me? That's what I can't tell you. you you got to figure that out, right? you got to seek counsel. you got to read the scriptures. You have to pray and ask God what generosity looks like for you. And at the end of the day, you've got to remember that the decision you're making is not how much of my money to give, but how much of God's money to keep. And so whatever God leads you to, I just pray you give that And I believe the more generous we are together, the more lives we'll touch and the more we'll impact eternity. I just want us to pray to this end today. I know this is a very personal and and sensitive topic a lot of times in churches, but we just can't be that way with it. I mean, it's just one of the things about following Jesus. We have to be wise stewards. We have to be generous people. So I want us to pray and to ask God to help us together to be those people in that church. So will you join me in doing that? Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning, God, and just to reflect on your goodness, on your generosity toward us as your people. God, we just are in awe, God, that you as owner of all things trust us with your stuff. And God, I just pray that this morning, God, those of us that walked into the room, um, as owners. God, that you would help us to surrender that perspective to you, God, and to take on the perspective of steward. God, for those of us that walked in the room today that, that give, God, because we think it's just something we have to do, it's duty, it's obligation, or, or maybe there are people here who have been giving because they feel guilty and they feel bad. Help us, God, to surrender guilt. Help us to surrender, God, I have to do this, that mindset and replace, God, that motivation with joy and cheerfulness, and, and God, help us to understand that when we give, God, with the right motivation and perspective, God, that you're honored, that we find joy, and that other people are inspired toward a relationship with you. God, I just pray, truly pray, God, that hearts would be soft today, God, that we'd respond in whatever way you're leading us. I know that the Bible teaches, God, that, that giving is a spiritual gift. God, but I know it's one that probably a lot of us in the room don't have, God, so we need you to work that out in our lives so that we can be the people, God, you've called us to be. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for your generous gift of Jesus toward us. We thank you for all that you give us in life. Give us wisdom and clarity, God, on how to manage your stuff for your glory and for the good of other people. God, we love you, and we surrender this area of our life to you today. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. The band's going to lead us in a song, and I just want to encourage us. Let's sing this from our hearts.